Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Tom, we don't have a lot of time to spare today. Is that right? I think so. I think we got a big topic that's going to take some time to cover. Um, okay. Well, and, and here's the thing, I, as we, you and I were just talking about before we hit record, we're going to be providing our quote, hot takes on a topic. And I think, I mean, I think a hot take is, can be unconventional. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be necessarily be unconventional for the sake of it. But I think generally speaking, a hot take is succinct and concise. And that's our problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, we'll, we'll see how we do. Yeah. I, so I got a few succinct hot takes for you, but I'll right. wait till we're off the air for those. All right. So we should probably stop talking about our challenge and being succinct and concise <laughs> and just get to it. What do yes. you say? So do you want to, do you want to tee up the topic? Well, these are hot takes. Uh, we, we've done an episode on hot takes before. So I think this is, we're returning to, uh, uh, familiar territory, but these are going to be hot takes on LinkedIn conventional wisdom. You have a list. I've got a list. There might be some overlap, but, um, why don't you give us an example by way of being succinct and diving right in? Give us your first hot take. Okay. So the, the, I'll, I'll raise, I'll just set the stage here a little bit. So these, I think generally, um, the statements that we'll make that we'll then discuss are, um, somewhat, you know, yeah, conventional wisdom. Like if you're to if you're to go out and read, you know, the the listicle articles online of you know, ten best practices for LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. This is these are the kinds of things that you'll generally see. So we're gonna we're gonna break these down. Um, again, in some cases we might agree, uh, in some cases we might disagree with the hot take, and then we might disagree with one another. I hope we do because that's yeah. actually more interesting, at least Ooh. in some cases. Okay, um, I'll, so, I'll pretend right. we're on Twitter. Okay. I'll just agree or disagree just to disagree. Go. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I just was went online and, and found one of these articles and it talked about, um, don't post more, uh, try to post three times a week, but no more than five times a week. And that was the, that was the sort of conventional wisdom ex, quote expert advice. Um, and do you want me to provide my hot take first on, on yeah. what I think of that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now this is, this is, anecdotal experience, but I, I totally reject this. Um, I think that posting more frequently is better. Um, and the reason for that, uh, is because I've been following, you know, some people, certain people who have very significant followings on LinkedIn, whose content I admire it's high quality content. So that's sort of table stakes or, you know, it's, it's good content, uh, but they're posting at least twice a day. Um, usually twice a day is the number, but some, some of them are posting three times a day. Um, now they're breaking it up. So it's no sooner than like every four to five hours, but it's multiple times a day. So then I started doing that just sort of as an experiment and I'm seeing no, um, I'm, I'm seeing no less engagement with a second post uh, than a first. And oftentimes, and this is dependent probably on the quality of the post or the just happenstance of what happens when you do post, but sometimes quite a bit more engagement. So like last week, for example, I posted on Friday morning and, you know, posted pretty well. And then I had another post reserved for Friday afternoon. And next thing you know, it's, you know, probably right now around 200,000 views and almost 2000 reactions. Like it went viral. Um, and according to these articles, this conventional wisdom, that's not supposed to happen because you're supposed to get dinged 
by the, you know, by, by the, the almighty algorithm, if you post too frequently and two times a day is suggested to be too frequently. So I reject this conventional mm. wisdom. For clarity's sake, which one was the one that went quote unquote viral? Was it the second post or the first one? Second post. Okay. Interesting. Second yeah. post. And, and then, yeah, by way of example, um, I, my post, my second post yesterday, um, outperformed my first one. My first one did pretty well, but my second one, uh, did really well. So. Well, I'll give you an example at the other end of the spectrum then. So posting a minimum of three times per week. As you recall, we had a member in our um, training curriculum and membership community, the Thought Leader Collaborative, who reported to us that he had disappeared from LinkedIn for a while. He was posting every day for a full year, got super busy in part as the result probably of that uh, online activity. So he got super busy, so went away from LinkedIn for a while and then came back and posted and he thought, well, that's going to be a dud. And it turned out that that post had just as much reach, engagement, and everything else as a post he had done when he was posting every day. So that, I think, gives lie to the minimum. I don't. My whole point mm -hmm. is I don't think there's a minimum. I don't think there's a maximum. Maybe the maximum is like four or five times a day. I, I don't even know. Yeah. I think, to me, I think the moral of the story is manage what you can manage. Make sure you're doing it purposely. And um, I think the, if it's great content, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, for me, I've, I've kind of, you know, thinking about if you're doing, if you want to explore a two post a day strategy, and if you want to, I don't know, don't, you don't have to do what I'm doing, but I'll just give you a sense of what my strategy has been with that. It's usually been, you know, post in the morning is a little more substantive, like, you know, thought, what would you call traditional thought leadership? The second one is a little more pithy, you know, short, oftentimes mm -hmm. one or two sentences. And that's kind of how I've been um, structuring them. So I'm, so it's, it's a bit of a variety. It's a little bit of a different take on things. It'll also be interesting to see the A-B test between does the short format or the long format generally do better or not? You know, is there mm -hmm. no rhyme or reason to that? So report back on that one. Will do. Yeah, that was actually one of my hot takes, uh, but go, we can maybe talk oh, about that. Oh, okay, good. But it's okay. No, go on to your first one. All right. This is a hot take that I just hear people say. Video doesn't work on LinkedIn. And by that, I mean, they'll post a video on LinkedIn. It won't have the same number of maybe comments, reach, uh, views, etc., as maybe a text-only posted. So if you just look at it through the metrics, those vanity metrics, it's easy to draw the conclusion that yes, video is not performing as well as text only. However, what that ignores is the depth of what video format could do that a text only post cannot. Those things aren't measurable. Nobody's gonna report back, oh my God, I was 60% more emotionally tied to that video than I was that post that you did that was text only. Those are immeasurables. So whether or not video or video does not quote unquote work on LinkedIn, I think it's uh, foolhardy to dismiss any sort of multimedia that could be more two-dimensional, three-dimensional, or more, simply because there's some metric somewhere that's not giving you that dopamine rush that you wanted it to, and I just think that's a mistake. Yeah, um, I, I agree, and I, yeah, I've I've been thinking about this. Um, I I probably, um, you know, if I if I'm not being thoughtful and really examining my own thinking, I, my my immediate gut reaction would be say the same thing. Like I don't think video performs quite as well, which is weird because it seems like everyone's pushing towards video uh, on their platforms. However, I think part of that's probably confirmation bias in the sense that I don't, I prefer to read posts, right? So I'm curating a network of people and clicking and see more on posts that have written content as opposed to video content. So I'm not seeing as much of it, which is making me believe that it doesn't perform as well. Um, I'm sure there are people 
whose LinkedIn feed is full of video, right? Because that's what they prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I but I, I'm with you on the in the sense that it's sometimes it's not. Uh, it's like the intangibles of what is the video accomplishing relative to you know what is the quote unquote tangible or objective engagement it's getting. And um, and the other the one observation I had about video this comes from um, a couple of videos I saw at LinkedIn today, which is. Um, I do, you know, there, I believe we've talked about this. There's this spectrum between you know, really high production value and really low production value. And sometimes the really high production value can work really well. And sometimes the really low production value can work, work really well. Like there's a, I don't know if you're connected with him, but Chad Abood, um, he's a lawyer uh, and he usually does text posts, but he did a, um, he did a video post today and it was him holding his you know, iPhone, sort of the skyline in the background. And he just talked into the phone and it was good. You know, I, I liked it. I watched the whole video. I enjoyed it. Um, it's, you know, that in the middle, you don't want to be right where it's sort of like there's production value, but it's not all that good. Um, that's where I think you want to stay when it comes to video. Cause it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't work that well, especially unless, you know, and then of course there's the, um, you know, the TikTok, uh, the TikTok mm-hmm. crew that's crushing it with video, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, my, my big takeaway is um, I, I will concede that maybe the algorithm treats video posts differently than it does text posts. I'll concede that. I'll concede that busy professionals might be apt to skim past a video because they think it's going to take too much time. But what you can't measure is the impact you're making on the one person that stopped to watch that video that, Jay, you remembered. You probably remember the the, tech, the context of it, the content of it, the tone of it. And you remembered and you retold the story and said the person's name on a podcast that has millions of listeners. Well, maybe not millions, but anyways, the whole point yeah. is that you can't measure that. Chad might not even be listening to even know that he made that impact. So that's mm-hmm. the point. And I, the, the emphasis should be on the quality of content, I think, more so on these vanity metrics, which I think could be your guide and your lodestar, but it can't be everything. Anyway, yeah. hot takeover. Yeah. All right. So that leads us nicely into the next uh piece of conventional wisdom, Tom, which would be when it comes to posting, focus on quality over quantity. And I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian viewpoint on this, although I do, of course, quality is important. It's really important. But I think people sometimes underestimate the importance of quantity. And it's not just because, you know, you're getting, you know, you're more visible, you're just getting out there more often uh, than, than not. But the quantity is important because if we're not, if we're, if we're, you know, kind of thinking about ideas, but not putting that many out there, then we're overthinking things. We're self-editing too much, perhaps. And most of us are pretty poor judges as to what our audience wants. That is, until we post often enough, until we get a real sense from them by creating a feedback loop as to what they want, right? So there is this process where you have to post a lot just to get a sense of what your audience wants to read from you or what kind of content they want you to create. And without that feedback loop in place, which you can't really have if you're posting infrequently, it's really hard to dial in and understand, you know, what kind of content you need to create for your audience. So ideally, you know, that allows you to create more quality content over time, but oftentimes that means getting more quantity of content out there such that you can start to hone in on what your audience thinks is quality, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. I, I think um, a succinct, maybe the way I'm interpreting part of what you're saying, at least, is you can't let the perfect become the enemy of the good. And if you do that, then you'll never post. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I will agree with that part of it for sure. And there's, I do not think my posts are by any stretch perfect. And I don't aim for perfection when I write for LinkedIn. I do aim for extremely good uh, when I'm writing for long form that I think is going to have more permanence to it. So now having said that, Jay, writing is easy for you. Writing's easy for me. For most of the people who listen to this podcast who are attorneys, writing's probably easy for them as well. So I would say there's a little bit of the, um, maybe the curse of knowledge or just the fact that it's easy for you to bang out 300 words and not even think about it. For some people, it's not so easy. But having said that, if that is something that you find daunting or challenging to do, to your point, Jay, just do it. Even if you're not going to post it, just write 300 words on something that you think about and then don't post it. And then go back and look at it in an hour. And you'll probably discover, you know, that wasn't too bad. Go ahead and post it. So um, anyways, I think I agree yeah. with your contrarian view to a point. I do. Yeah, but I do yeah. think, you know, it can't be crap either, right? Let's No, totally. And you're not but, suggesting that. No, but but I mean, you know, we that I think there is truth to the cliche that, you know, like before you're going to be a good writer, you've got to be a bad one. I mean, and true. I think that's true. I I if I looked back at, you know, my posts on LinkedIn from when I really got started posting more, uh, th- there's not a, there's a lot of things I would change. You know what I mean? So while mm-hmm. I might have been, quote unquote, you know, have raw talent at writing, I've learned a lot a ton by posting a ton of quantity over time as well that that's allowed me to get better. I wouldn't have done that if I had just like been overthinking things all the time. And that's what I actually, by the time this, um, I, I, I thought I'd share this because as I was thinking about these hot takes, I wrote what would be a se- sort of a second, I don't know, I, I'll call it pithy just because it's short uh, post that I'll probably put up on Monday afternoon before we post this on Tuesday morning. But it's, um, you know, if I had to bet the best LinkedIn post I ever wrote was one I never posted. And I think that might be true because mm. I probably overthought it. And I was concerned about what my audience would think. And I, I overthought it. I self-edited and probably just never shared it. And who know, again, who knows? But I think that more often than not, that is the case with people. They're, they don't share something because they're sort of afraid of what people will think. Um, and sometimes that's good, good judgment on their part. <laughs> but it's oftentimes we're just overthinking it um, and we should post anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, good. Well, do you have that draft somewhere? I'd love to read it. And then what, I'll post the, the one that you said, the one that got away. Oh Did yeah. Well, I, it? you know, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's probably somewhere in my delete folder on my email. Cause that's where I kind of write a lot of my posts. Okay. Sure. I'll, I'll find it. I know you're logging <laughs> and then I'll claim it as my own and everyone will yeah, say brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a hot take that isn't something that people say out loud or would even probably confess that they think, but it seems to be like a mindset that I still think is prevalent out there. And it's just, it's such a bugaboo that I just want to address it because I guess maybe I'm venting. Here is the quote of the, the hot take, the fictitious hot take LinkedIn, because it's a different platform is this magical fairyland where the pixie dust and the wooden nymphs absolve you from any sort of etiquette that you might otherwise practice or observe in the real world. And by that, I mean these crazy solicitous uh, emails that I keep getting Mm -hmm. from strangers. And would they call, I mean, I guess people still cold call and whatever and ask for their sale immediately or 
email. I mean, we consider that spam in other walks of life. But for some reason, people think LinkedIn is this huge opportunity for lead generation. And all I got to do is get out there and it's a numbers game and start just peppering. And I can't believe that works. Maybe it does. Maybe you correct me if I'm wrong. But the way I approach LinkedIn is to me, it's a publishing platform first. So in other words, I'm trying to give more than I'm taking. And then it's a networking platform second. I don't ever think of it as like a sales tool. And I feel like people went from Salesforce to LinkedIn and didn't change the behaviors and they're still spamming people. So anyways, vent over. What are your thoughts on that? I know you're not going to disagree. No, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really annoying. I mean, I think I've get I get less of that now. Cause I think I'm better at spotting like who's a, who's going to immediately start spamming me. Like I never, you know, anyone who's got the word, like I, not to disparage, but you, you can tell, I won't, I won't, <laughs> I, know what, I know what word, I know what yeah, word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So start usually with a there's D. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of emojis usually in the headline, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. So in any event, um, but I, the reason I think you see it is because um, there is a there's an industry that sort of sells that, and again, not to maybe maybe it does work. I don't know, but people people want to believe there's a magic formula to like generating leads or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's attractive if someone's selling you the idea that okay, we'll take over your LinkedIn. You know, we'll connect with a bunch of people. Tell us what industry you're focused on, or like what job title. We'll find those people. We'll connect with everybody, and then we'll put them on this like automated messaging sequence, which is you know just with a with like a Calendly link to schedule a call. It's stupid, but maybe it works enough because they're just sending it out. But I think mostly it's like people want to just outsource their marketing and think that they're making progress. It feels like progress to them. And because they haven't tried LinkedIn before, they're like, well, maybe this whole spam Mm -hmm. thing will work over here. You know, I don't think people are still going out and buying a bunch of email lists in cold spam. Maybe they are. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, it's just, it, it turns me off and I think there's a better way to do it. I mean, I, just today, uh, actually got a lead on LinkedIn and I don't ever consider what I'm doing lead generation. I have no idea who this person is, how they found me. I didn't reach out to them first, but they want to talk. And so something I did now to me, that's how LinkedIn is a lead generation platform. It can and should be a lead generation platform, but it's not, you know, salesforce.com slash LinkedIn. It's not that. So anyways. Yeah. Well, the, then here's, here's the other part of that, which I, I also see you, you, the, it's not the, it's not the obvious ones you have to watch out for. It's the, like the sneaky ones, right? Where it's, mm-hmm. they're leading you to believe something and they're actually just trying to sell you but they're trying to get you on a call. So I, I try to be really careful about that too. I can't tell you how many messages I get. And sometimes it's good nature, but just you, you see like, come on people, like just saying you want to pick well, the pick your brain emails or like, yeah, can we explore jump on synergies, call? Like, explore yeah, synergies. Or, and, and sometimes I don't think they're trying to sell anything. I just think they're looking for advice, but you've got to understand people are busy. You know, you can't just come at people and, and, you know, just, just ask for time without contacts. Like, what do you want? Like, who are you? Like, I, I, I don't know. So in any event, it, 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 it there's needs to be better, more strategic and thoughtful direct messaging etiquette. I agree. Uh, Agreed. Okay, cool. What else you got? Okay. uh, So the next one would be uh, the statement would be, you know, the key to um, effective LinkedIn content creation is coming up with new ideas um, for content. So um, this is, this is, uh, this, I have just a little bit of a different take on this. And the, the take is the following, which is, it's not, it's not about coming up with new ideas as much as it's coming up with new and interesting ways to express the same core idea, right? Um, 
you know, I think that that maybe makes things, I don't know if that makes things easier or harder on people, but the idea that, you know, you ha- you can sort of, uh, everything is a possible topic and um, you've got to come up with like new and novel, um, new and novel ways to say things. It's, you do, you do have to kind of have different ways to say things, I guess is the point, but it's all around one core idea. That's the challenge. That's the opportunity because LinkedIn, being effective on LinkedIn requires you to both be consistent in terms of the amount you post and also have a consistent message. So, you know, it's best to figure out like, what is the core message I, I want to express? And then how do I say that in many different interesting ways? Totally agree. Yep. I think if there is sort of a business development angle to your activity on LinkedIn, it's <clears throat> at least this much that you want to be known for something. Mm-hmm. And you and you can't be known for everything. And so if you're constantly, you know, moving the uh, shell or the P under the shell, no one can figure out who you are, what you're about, or how you might be able to help them. But yeah. um, I've known even a or I shouldn't say no, I've seen, Jay, even a more precise focus in your content on LinkedIn in the last three months. I don't know if that's been intentional or I'm just noticing things or it's just happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, well, here's here's the other, I guess, uh, rule of thumb for people on this issue, which it would be um, if you want to be if you want to be broad broader on your topic, be narrow in terms of your audience, really mm-hmm. narrow. And if you want to be um, n- narrow in your topic, uh, you can be broader uh, with your audience. So the the latter case, that would be all right from a marketing standpoint. I want to. I'm going to write and become re- renowned as the expert on email marketing or podcasting or something like that. And it's going to really that that's going to apply to everyone. Or I want to kind of create a lot of content that is relevant to lawyers. Like I'll use my own example. But I talk about you know I talk about marketing, business development. Um, uh, you know, content creation, LinkedIn, that kind of thing. So in this case, it's like, what are the, what are the ideas that resonate with, um, lawyers? So I'm, I'm narrow in terms of, of audience, but I, I do go a little broader in terms of topic, but it's all for that audience, which is the same concept of like one idea or one audience. And then, you know, that's, that's where you've got to play with the tension between those two things. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. Is it my turn? Yep. Um, we've addressed this a lot, I think, uh, on this podcast and again in the the lab. It's I'll just throw it out there again to reinforce it, and that is LinkedIn is a professional network. Keep it professional. And while I agree on its face that that is a good rule of thumb, I think people go too far in that they don't ever express their human side myself included. So I've often been, and I'm, you know, the worst in real life too. Like, as you know, we've joked about it on this podcast. I'm such an introvert. You get me at a business function and I'm absolutely useless because I'm not myself because I'm who I think they want me to be. And I'm super nervous and I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, I'd rather just be at home writing. Sort of that same way on LinkedIn, because I would kind of transfer that mentality from the real world onto LinkedIn. And so I was always very straight laced, never, posted anything about my family, my passions, my, but people like you and others that I've interacted with said, you know, the stuff that gets the most engagement, not that that's again, the the measure of success, but is the, is when I get personal. So I Mm -hmm. posted a picture of my daughter and I talked about her first day of school and had nothing to do with work. And so I tried it a few times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This stuff blows up. And now someone might say, okay, well, but how does that help your business? And my response is doesn't, and that's okay. 
Yeah. Right. I want people to know me, the right type of person who does legitimately end up liking me for one reason or another. That's who I want to do work with anyway. So yeah. I, I don't need to be anyone I'm not. So anyways, I, I'm kind of coming around a little bit, slowly but surely. But um, what's your take on keeping it professional or mixing in the personal? Yeah, I mean, I mix in a bit uh, of personal stuff, I would say. Um, I, you know, everyone's got their different take on that or approach to it. Um I, so I, I, I definitely am in, in the camp where I think that's perfectly fine. I think people have to be careful. Um, I think you have to, you know, sometimes I think people look at like, oh, that post went viral and it was sort of a, you know, a personal story about struggle or something like that. And then you start to see them try to mimic that and it becomes mm. sort of transactional and obvious is what they're doing, which is, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to trigger, uh, you know, some virality through this. And, and so in any event, they lose sight of what the end goal is, um, which is, you know, yeah, ultimately, well, I guess it depends what your goal is. If it is business related, if it is to build an audience who's gonna, who's going to resonate with your ideas, well, then you've got to make sure you're sharing your ideas because that's what ultimately they're going to hire you for. But it's good, you know, we always say it's it's good for people to get to know the person behind the professional and you can, you know, you can tend to, you tend to get a lot more engagement with, or a lot of engagement with personal posts. So it's fine to mix that in. Engagement is good. It helps you grow your audience and having a larger audience is better than a small one. as long as it's, you know, composed of the type of people that you know, relate to your underlying business, all those things are true. Um, but the danger is thinking that, you know, you start aiming for, engagement and thinking that it's got to be like, you know, the sappy like struggle story or something like that all the time. Well, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but that's just a good, I think a good rule of thumb. Don't chase the clicks. It, it, mm -hmm. I mean, if you keep it to that, I mean, it's hard. I mean, because that is a sign that something is working or perhaps not working. And again, we know, we read the studies that the dopamine rush, right? Every time you see that like button where the follower count grow, it's natural to want to feed those um, instincts. But if you chase the clicks, you're, I think you're doing it for the wrong reason. But anyways, back yeah. to you. Give us a hot take. All right. Well, let's, this one will be related. And then I maybe I'll, I'll do one and you do one and it will wrap it up. Um, I'm thinking. Okay, cool. Uh, so, so this one, uh, this will build upon what you just said. Um, and it's a little bit, it'll be a little contrarian of, from, based on what you said, uh, which would be, you know, there, you can't, you can't like, you can't make a post go viral. So there's no point in trying. So just post and, and hope for the best. Um, I, of course you can't make a post go viral, but you know, as if you're a real student of posts that do go viral, um, especially again, the ones that maybe are more, um, thought leadership oriented, you know, they're expressing ideas that people resonate with. There are some things that those posts have in common, right? That you would be wise to study if you want more engagement with your posts. And again, engagement with your posts grows your audience. Having a bigger audience allows you to have a bigger platform, more visibility, building trust. So it does lead to business opportunities. So, I mean, engagement, it does matter in that sense, if this is what you're doing, if this is where you're investing your time. So it's worth studying some of the elements of virality, even if your posts don't go objectively viral, and I don't know what the objective viral measure would be, but for you, you know, for, for it's it's different for everyone. So if you want more engagement with your posts, you should study what why those posts work, and and oftentimes, it's not necessarily, or not only the that it's good content, it's how it's structured, 
and um, formatted that really matters. Again, what is the hook you're using? How are you grabbing people's attention um, with your first line of that post? That's everything. Like you've got to, you've got to intrigue them. You've got to evoke an emotional response from them with that first line. And then, you know, are you, are you, are you writing it in a visually appealing way? And you're really thinking about like stripping out all unnecessary words. And it's, it's hard hitting, punchy writing that is a pleasure to read. Like all of these things matter. And, um, it, you know, again, there, there's things you can study and, and learn from, the high engagement posts you see. That's why I think, you know, it's a mistake to look at some of the people. There, there are certain people with really high follower counts, you know, up in the hundreds of thousands who are worth studying because, you know, they've gotten there over the last couple of years where it became much harder to grow your following. And then there's other people who did it, like they were just very early to the platform. And you can see like they've got 700,000 followers, but they're getting maybe like 40 reactions to their posts and they're just putting like picture memes out there and <laughs> I don't know, or they're sharing like other stuff. And so, but follow uh, to me, the, the point being follow people who maybe are, you know, who are growing their following fast and maybe even have, you know, a smaller following, meaning less than 20,000 followers or, or less than 30,000 followers um, and see what they're doing with their posts. There's some definite patterns uh, as to what, how they're structuring them that helps aid in things like, you know, creating engagement and virality. Yep. Well, I'll just let you know that I got a text uh, about a week ago from somebody we both know, and I won't name him or her. And uh, the question was, how does Jay Harrington get thousands of reactions and hundreds of comments to every post he puts on LinkedIn? And I said, I, jokingly, but uh, no, not even jokingly, but I, I just said back, he's cracked the code. And I know that you are a student of what makes posts work. You study them, you model them, and you replicate what works. And there is there is mm -hmm. a, a formula to it. It's not just completely random. So I yeah. agree. Yep. Great. All right. Well, I have my last one. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So this is not really a hot take, but I'll, I'll, I'll position it as a hot take as a way to kind of get you to report uh, back on something. The hot take is LinkedIn's great and all, but I'm going to try Twitter. And so, Jay, you have dipped your toes into the Twitter waters. I got to hear how it's going. Yeah, uh, terribly. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that's kind of the fun aspect of it. Like, I, you're right. I did start, um, you know, prodded by uh, Jonah, Perl, uh, Jonah Perlin, who, uh, who kind of has been egging me on to get on to Twitter. Um, I, I decided, okay, I was on, I've been on Twitter for a long time. I had an account, but I, all I would do is like retweet if attorney at work tweeted out one of my articles or something like that. Um, so I decided, all right, I'm just going to start taking you know, some of the LinkedIn content I'm doing and putting it on Twitter and see what happens. And nothing's happening, <laughs> right? <laughs> I put, like, for example, I put a post, that, the, a post that I wrote on LinkedIn last week that got like 200,000 views and almost 2,000 reactions, got like one like on Twitter. That was um, me. It might've been you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, so there you go. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I know there's, I have to study. I did a Twitter thread. I'm watching what's happening and I know I have what I need. I know I, what I need to do if I actually want to do this, which is I have to engage with people. I have to engage with other people's, you know, 
And I don't know. The problem is I'm sort of doing this as a, a fun experiment, but I just don't know if I, I have the bandwidth to take on another platform. And I don't know why, like I'm busy as heck as it is. Like, mm. why would I do that? Except it's just kind of a fun experiment. So part of it is that like, I, it's, it's fun to see like, okay, I have, it, it is very um, dependent. You can't just step onto every platform and the same thing works. You have to study the Twitter platform. And I have been doing that. And I think the biggest benefit of while I'm still flopping on Twitter, my LinkedIn content's getting better because I'm studying some of the best creators on Twitter. And that's really good. Uh, you know, it's really good examples of how to write hard hitting content is to look at, you know, the, the people who crack the Twitter code. So in any event, so you're going to stick with it a little while, right? I probably will, but I'm definitely going to use it. I'm going to use it as a platform to study content creators at a minimum. And I'm sure if I'm there, I'll just kind of keep trying to plug away a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know, you know, I mean, again, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to really get another platform to be a distraction. You know, I think that's the other part of it. I, it's the the world is distracting enough, um, especially True. if you're engaged on one social media platform. I don't I don't necessarily want to add another one, but I do learn a lot when I'm there about good writing. Yeah, cool. And a good well, online writing, I should say. You it's should try thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're kind of stick sticking within the confines of legal Twitter, I would assume. You should mm-hmm. check out political Twitter because it's a ball. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just an absolute treat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so I've heard. So I've yeah. Heard, so all fun. right, that's all I had. Okay, um, good. I had a couple more. I'll save them for our next hot take session. Awesome. Great. Can't wait to hear them. Okay, well, then I guess we'll be back next week with some cold takes, or at least not so hot. Um, We have a guest next week, and looking forward to, to that as well. Awesome. All right, Tom, we'll have a good weekend, and when everyone hears this, it'll be Tuesday, so I hope everyone has a good week. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.